0: Well, I want to welcome everybody here. We're glad that you're here with us today. And if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Christ the King. And I want to welcome everybody here at the Bellingham campus. So welcome to those of you who are joining us at Ferndale and those of you who are online as well. We're going to take just a moment here, and I want to talk about what happened last Saturday evening during the service, okay? And uh, I wanted Ferndale to be able to listen in on this because of... uh, how important this is. So we had a medical emergency during our service last weekend. A guy named Jim Phillips, who's one of our, actually one of our security guys, um, he makes sure that everybody stays safe around here. Jim had what we can only call a critical cardiac incident in the back of the worship center while we were doing church. And he collapsed in the back. And uh, because of the incredibly quick thinking of the team that was here, the medical professionals that were here, this is basically what happened. The medical people did what they needed to do. God's people did what they needed to do, which was pray and ask God for a miracle and intervention. And everything in this particular case, and we don't presume always on God's favor, but in this particular case, everything worked exactly the way that it was supposed to. They actually needed to get an automatic defibrillator unit in order to be able to shock Jim's heart back into where it needed to be. And, um, you know, what I can tell you is... um, the doctors that I've talked to this week said the same thing over and over and over again. The people that were in the back of that room saved Jim's life. That was the bottom line. They saved Jim's life. And so, um, which is awesome and good. So this is what I can tell you, Jim regained consciousness on Monday after he went through a whole bunch of medical stuff, his wife Claire is at his bedside, they are down in Seattle right now, they had to do uh, multiple procedures on him here and he has a history of heart problems and uh, he's down in Seattle, he was doing great today when one of our care people was actually there and they spent some time together and he was joking around and talking to people and he wanted to express his thanks to everybody that was here, that prayed for him or intervened or touched. And I just, I can't thank you enough for the way you guys handled yourselves. It can be a little disconcerting when that stuff goes on. And I'm actually surprised with the the thousands of people that come here on a weekend. That doesn't happen more, but I wanted to say thank you. And Jim is doing great and we can't wait to get him back here with us. And so can we say thanks to God one more time just for what he did? That's awesome. A couple of other announcements that actually apply to Bellingham and Ferndale both in your program again this week is that little green envelope. Uh, it looks like a green envelope. What it actually is is an opportunity to become a part of somebody else's miracle. Last weekend you heard the story of Dominic and Teresa Alexander, how they were just having a regular ordinary life and then everything went sideways on them. And uh, this is specifically designed to help people with an extraordinary need. The cool thing about giving to the Christ the King blessing is that we actually do all the homework for you. So we make sure the needs are valid, we make sure they're legitimate, we're make, we make sure that these people are experiencing what it is they say they're experiencing, and then we are able to help people in incredible ways by jumping into their lives in moments when they don't see it coming. And're uh, you know, right now, we're able to help Jim and Claire with some of the things that they're, they didn't expect to be at UW Hospital going through everything they're going through. Um, But God's family has an opportunity to step in and help, and I just encourage you um, to be responsive to God. It has nothing to do with me and you. It has everything to do with you and what the Lord would have you do. So we uh, lay that before you as well. One more announcement before we get started. I have an incredibly big heart for young guys. Um, And the reason I have a big heart for young guys is because I gave up on the myth a long time ago that young people are the Church of Tomorrow... That's not true according to the Bible. Young people are the church of today as much as anybody else is a part of the church of today. And I have a real heart for young guys who desperately want to be good fathers. They want to be good husbands. They want to be good providers. And and they want to be good leaders in the church. And so what we're doing is um, I've pulled together... Uh, a group of elders from Christ the King who are going to gather tomorrow or sorry, Sunday afternoon at 1:15 in the meeting place, and we'd like to invite any of the young men that are here from the Bellingham campus or the Ferndale campus, if you'd like to know what God's standards are for you as a young man and what qualifies you as a leader of God's people, I want to invite you to take a couple of hours. Now some of you are like, "But there's football on. Exactly. Make a decision. Make a decision about what's important and what's not as important, okay? Just asking you to make some decisions, because that's actually one of the things that qualifies you as a leader, okay? We're going to start with the young guys. Ladies, your turn is coming, so prepare yourselves, all right? We're going to walk through that together. So I gave our church a homework assignment last weekend, and then we unleashed over 4,100 people that were here on the weekend into our community to touch somebody just for the sake of kindness, And some of the stories were pretty amazing. I hope you remember that my point was not to hear the stories back. In fact, the point was, we don't need to hear the stories because according to last week's message, the king of all eternity, who someday will return and take his people home, he's taking copious notes about all of the things that his children are doing. The stories were not the point, but it was cool to hear how God used you. One story came from a lady She said, I was not having a good day. So she actually gave herself a timeout. Okay, there's some wisdom in that. She went to to pick up a coffee as a cooling off period from her job. She pulled into the drive-thru. There was nobody behind her, but there was a person in front of her from Indiana. They were there out of state. The person in front of her was paying with change, which she proceeded to drop out of her window and had to actually get out of the car, retrieve all the money, which further delayed the person in the car behind her. As the lesson in patience continued, the Indiana native finally pulled away and my story writer, who told me her story, got to the window and you'll never guess what the barista said to her. Your coffee was paid for by the person in front of you. (laughs) did you love how it all works together in that moment? I had another guy. He said he was in a hurry, waiting in line, and the guy in front of him was taking forever he goes i didn't even think to look in my rearview mirror i just wanted the guy in front of me to move in fact he actually honked his horn to move the procession along and when he got to the window guess what he heard (laughs) the guy you just honked at just bought your coffee he said and i quote i just got spanked by jesus that's good (laughs) all right we all need those from time to time, right? Well, this weekend, I want to do some preventative maintenance. You know, we, we do it to our cars, we do it to our computers, we do it to our health, but rarely do we ever do it for our souls. We're about to enter into the holiday season, a season of Thanksgiving, which will rapidly be followed by Christmas, which will rapidly be followed by New Year's. Those are all coming very quickly, and some of you are very, very pumped. My wife is excited that the holidays are here, which is why my house is already completely decorated for Christmas. It's the reason why there are lights up on my house, put out with perfect alignment, stapled on both sides of the bulb, because that's the godly way to do those things. Those of you with your twisted lights on the eaves of your house, may God have mercy on your soul. You're just wrong in so many ways, all right? Okay? The lights are up, the place is decorated, we are just excited because that's how it works in our family. Some of you are pumped and excited, others of you are already dreading what's coming, right? The shopping, Black Friday, the lineups, the family, the meltdowns. You're, you can't believe in one week you're going to start hearing it, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Ah! I've been a pastor for over 20 years, and I've noticed over the years that January is very, very tough for people. In November and December, they make decisions about values and priorities and commitments, and then in January, they live with the results and the pain and the bills, and it's not good. There's a reason why we do a ton of recovery work at Christ the King Church in January. The reason is it's because people need it in January really bad. As I've observed the trends over these past years, I began to notice that there were specific areas where where people just go overboard during this next season. They go overboard physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, economically, and the result in January is pretty simple. They go to therapy. They need financial counseling. They need couples counseling. They have these entitled little savages running around their house, and they don't know what to do to them, and they end up at the gym at 5.30 in the morning with everybody else who's just trying to work it off. So I was thinking to myself, what if we went into the holidays with our heads clear, our eyes wide open, and our hearts firmly fixed on Jesus? What if we did some preventative maintenance of the soul? Do you have the courage to do that? Because we're not going to pull any punches this weekend. I'm just going to throw some stuff out there. Some of you can warm up your little sheep hooves and get ready to start typing because this is going to create some ripples. By the way, I thank everybody who sent me an encouraging email last week. You got, God bless your hearts. You know, I really, really appreciate that. This weekend we're going to hear from a guy who was legendary when it came to going overboard. This guy knew how to throw a party. I mean, his lifestyle knew no limits because his financial reality basically made Bill Gates look like me and you, okay? He had limitless resources and his penchant for extravagance was legendary, History tells us he would throw parties for months at a time. Not days at a time, months at a time. He had 700 wives. Okay, that's a little overboard, don't you think? Right? He was unbelievably rich. He was known in the area. I mean, he was just, he was the guy. He was the guy, but he also had a broken heart. With everything he had, he was not immune from the pain of bad decisions. He lived the high life, but somewhere along the way... He started learning some lessons. In fact, he learned that you can have it all, but it doesn't mean anything unless you're connected to God. He learned you can have it all by earthly standards, but you've got nothing if you don't use it to honor God and God alone. The man's name was Solomon, and he was given the gift of wisdom. He didn't always use it. He would admit to that. In fact, in the book of Lamentations, he talks about all of the regret, all of the regrets and the pain that he walked through because he didn't use his wisdom the way that he should have in many, many times. Along the way, he wrote down the wisdom God gave him, and he wants to teach us some lessons as we begin to, to navigate what I call the predictable pitfalls of the holidays, okay? We all run into them, right? Just reminding you again, this is going to be blunt, honest, and hopefully helpful Here's predictable pitfall number one, overindulging. Here we go. All right, so the next six weeks are all about celebration, and that's a gift from God. I mean, of all the people in the world, the people and the followers of God should be the most celebratory people on the planet because because we actually know what it is we're going to be celebrating. I mean, we're going to be giving thanks because God has, has been so unbelievably faithful, we're going we're to celebrate the greatest gift of all as we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate the beginning of a new year, which is a celebration of God's renewal in our lives. My friends, don't ever forget that God is the author of everything that we celebrate. And if you are a follower of that God and you know what it is that he's done, you should be able to celebrate at a level that nobody else can even touch or comprehend. I mean... I can already tell by the body language in the room. Some of you do not like where this is going. But we're just going to go there anyway, okay? But before we say that, let me tell you the heart behind it, all right? It's not to be judgmental or critical of your celebrations, okay? So I'm not your dad shaking my finger in your face and saying, you need to shape up and do this and do that, okay? That's not the heart behind it. Behind it is a heart that believes that God is honored when God's people actually act like God's people. Can I get an amen from somebody on that one? That God is actually honored when God's people act like God's people. Let's face it. We all are a little prone to go a little overboard during the holidays. You know? The buffets, the baking, the bagels, the bulge. It's all about going overboard. And the truth is there's some parts of it that I enjoy going a little overboard on. Okay? However, God keeps speaking over and over in His Word That it all needs to be kept within reason and not to go overboard because whenever we go overboard, we go astray. Here's some straight talk from Scripture. Now, I want you to understand where this is coming from, okay? Christ the King is a recovery church. We have people here who have walked into areas that they would admittedly say they were indulgent in. And then God had to come and recover and pull back certain parts of their lives because of decisions that they made. We will never apologize for being a recovery-driven church. Okay, we're also not an incredibly legalistic place that says here's a list of checkboxes and as long as you get 17 out of 20, you know that that's gonna work in your favor. It doesn't work that way either. Everything I'm gonna talk about right now is a matter of conscience that you have to decide because scripture's a little open in some of these areas, a little more open than some of you would like, a little more closed than others of you would like, okay? The Bible says this, and I want to, you to understand that it's coming in terms of loving caution, okay? Can you picture it that way? It's loving caution. Proverbs 20 verse 1 says this, wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever's led astray by them is not wise. Here's the reality in America. According to USA Today, alcohol sales go up almost 50% during the month of December and food sales spike up to 60%. Now on that first note, okay, the Bible's clear about drunkenness. There is no debate on this. The Bible just puts it this way. Don't do it. Knock it off. It's as clear as it can possibly be. On other applications, when it comes to involvement, it's not as clear, okay? So I have to say it to you again. This is about your conscience. You've got to make a decision that you believe honors God. And Solomon is making this point here. If it leads you down the wrong path, don't go there, don't follow. Listen to him in Proverbs 23. He says this, listen, my son, be wise. Set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Let me try and make that as clear as I possibly can, okay? I'll put it this way. If the buffet or bar is an issue, don't go there. And don't hang with people who are going to pull you in that direction if you know you could be tempted to go overboard. Here's what God's people need to know. We are called to be the influencer, not the influenced. Can I get an amen on that one from somebody? We're called to be the influencers, not the influenced. If you're a follower of Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to remind you what the Bible says are the fruit of the Spirit that are supposed to come out of your life. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? Now, I want to remind you again, this is a matter of conviction and conscience. Okay? The Holy Spirit convicts us about where we're supposed to put those lines. That's up to Him. Okay? It's a trinity. It's not a quartet. I'm not the fourth member of the trinity. I'm not going to try and guilt trip you into anything. All I want you to understand is this. Without it being a guilt trip, we are responsible for the way we celebrate. That's just it. We're responsible for the way we celebrate. Now, some of us want to invoke the spiritual freedom clause right here. They're just like, Pastor Grant, the Bible says that we are free in Christ. That's true. Try explaining that to a police officer when you get pulled over, right? Officer, I'm free in Christ. No, you're under arrest. That's how this works, okay? 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 Here's what I think would make a quantum difference. What if we used the freedom that we have in Christ, which is a gift to all of us? What if we used that freedom? What if we used that liberty and didn't turn it into a license, which eventually will turn us into a jerk? What if we used our liberty to lead people towards a loving Savior who is worth celebrating and worshiping? really a question of ownership do you own your decisions or do your decisions own you my encouragement is that you'll make decisions that will honor god and the body he gave you to steward some of you are elbowing each other already some of you want to elbow me let's keep going we'll just keep involving people as we're going here comes another one how about overspending ah just so you know everything you buy in december will be paid for in january okay that's how it works Credit cards lay away. Amazing, you can't miss this deals. They all lead to one place, which for some of us can be trouble. When we live beyond our means, we disrespect the provision of God. So let's get some financial advice from an unbelievably wealthy guy, okay? Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5 says this. Don't wear, well, wear yourselves out to get rich. Don't trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. They will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Solomon's just saying this. Don't get get caught up in thinking that stuff matters that much. Now, I want us to understand this, because I think so much, you know, we are so blessed, and, and our normal response is to feel guilty. Don't feel guilty, just be grateful with all of the blessing that God has lavished on you. Okay, stuff is cool. God wants us to enjoy His provision, but when it owns you more than you own it, you're in dangerous spiritual territory. So make sure your needs... Make sure your needs stay more important than your wants. Make sure you budget and are disciplined during this next season. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says this. I love this translation. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. So Solomon loves us enough to say, don't trash your financial world because you don't know how to say no. My wife and I try to, try to use this. We actually try to invite Jesus into every purchase that we make. It's amazing how that just can, can push you in the right direction. Let's keep going. Here's the next one. How about overcommitting? Oh boy, I heard a couple of mmms with that one, right? This one gets all of us, and right now I am so preaching to myself. You have no idea. Okay? God gives us all 24 hours, seven days a week. Nobody gets any more or any less, and we are tied to this reality. We get this much time and we need to use it for God's glory, not just to compile our exhaustion. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Do yourself a favor and give your holiday calendar to Jesus now. Before Thanksgiving even gets here, give it to him and ask him to put the places on it where he wants you to move. I would encourage you to write in where you're going to worship and rest and focus on him. If you allow the worship of God to become an afterthought, your humanity will just lead you in that direction. So I want you to actually make it a priority over the next six to seven weeks to make sure that you know the times and that they are solidified in your calendar. Those are the moments when we as a family are going to go and honor and worship God. We will not allow him to be pushed to the side. My heart in that is just asking you to put some spiritual margin into your schedule. You know, one of my favorite things to do this time of year is to actually plan solitude. I like to walk in the woods. I like a quiet cup of coffee, just me and my Savior. And over and over again in Scripture, Jesus models the need to slip away from the chaos and just spend time with your Heavenly Father. The Bible says this, Proverbs 16. Here's Solomon again. He goes, To the humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. And I love this proverb because we forget sometimes that the godly answer that can actually come out of our mouth is an answer that sounds like this. Actually, I'm going to have to say no. I can't do that. It just doesn't fit into my life right now. I tell our staff this every single year. If you don't protect your Christmas, you will lose your Christmas facilitating it for somebody else. So you've got to make the decisions about what's going to go into it. It's okay to say no, because God knows your heart and your motives. And if your heart is not to miss Him in celebrating Him, then He will honor you for having godly boundaries. I mean, the Bible says, commit everything you do to Jesus. Ask Him if He wants you to do it. God, do you want me to commit to this? Do you want me to commit to that? There's lots of good things around the holidays. The key for us is not just doing all the good things, but making sure we're doing all of the God things if it's of god he will work it out and be honored and praised let's keep going here's a tough one how about overcompensating parents this one's for you i see a lot of parents try to make up for life stuff they missed out on during the year by trying to buy off their kids and It just is just the truth okay they just are poor and stuff is and they indulge their kids instead of instructing their kids Parents, this season of the holidays is an amazing opportunity to teach your kids about the dangers of entitlement. It's an amazing opportunity to teach them what scripture says. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about punishing them. You know, no toys for you this year. We're giving it all to Jesus. That's going to work out well, right? Yeah. You know who your kid's not going to like if you go that route? I'll tell you. Okay. All right. It's an amazing opportunity to teach them the principles of Scripture when it comes to generosity, when it comes to gracious reception. But parents, you've got to model it for them. You've got to live it out in front of their eyes. So I just want to encourage you, have fun, make memories, do it together, participate together as a family, and help your kids learn what it means to focus on Jesus in Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Bible says this Solomon talking again Proverbs 23 13 and 14 from the CEV version don't fail to correct your children you won't kill them by being firm and it may even save their lives it's good wisdom parents let me ask you a question if you don't protect your kids from materialism who will only you can protect your kids from seeing you as an eBay account with a pulse Teach them your job is to teach them how to live, not just how to consume. I think that would change the world in a very short amount of time. Let's do one more. How about oversharing? Okay? When I said that word, some of you instantly thought about somebody in your family because every family has got somebody in it, at least one who overshares. Okay? Okay? They're a master at saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person, and the result is civil war in your house during the holidays, okay? And I just want to say this to you if you're an oversharer, don't be that guy, okay? If you need to know if you're that guy, ask somebody. If they hesitate for a millisecond, you're that guy, okay? Just being straight with you, okay? I'm not talking about just talking too much. I'm talking about what the Bible calls reckless words, This is what I know about words. They either bring life or death into every situation. There's no middle ground. Critical words can wound when that's all you say. And parents, let me just talk to you again. It's so easy for us to slip into hypercritical mode, especially as we get older. Okay? Check your heart before you criticize your children. More so older that you get. Because we kind of cross a line where it's not about just sharing whatever you want to share anymore. It's actually about giving advice when you're asked. So let me just be really, really straight with the moms and the mother-in-laws who have young um, ladies and sons who are going to do your Thanksgiving dinner this coming week. And, and you're going to stand in the kitchen and, and tap your arm because you have your ways of doing things. And, and this is what I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, okay? Don't criticize your daughter's gravy. I don't care if she makes gravy different than you do. Have you ever contemplated the fact that maybe your gravy is awful? (laughs) And nobody has the courage to tell you? Because they know what verbally is going to come back at them if you ever were to say anything about the gravy. Right? Okay? Alright? Just because you have an opinion in your brain doesn't mean it has to come out of your mouth. Oh, I got amens there. I got amens there, all right? Let me give you some of the best advice I ever got from Pastor Charlie Middlebrook, Sam's dad. Charlie was sitting with me one time, and I said, just give me some, some wisdom, Charlie. And he said this, Grant, with his big Texas twang, never miss out on a glorious opportunity to just shut up. Amen, right there, all right? You know, I've found this in my own life. It's not usually the first thing that I say that gets me in trouble. It's what I let dribble out of this faucet after I know I should have stopped, right? And that's why Scripture calls them reckless words. They, they just keep coming, and you don't know when to stop, and you don't know how to turn it on. Before you know it, all of a sudden, you're wounding this person, and you're hurting this person, and we end up with civil war in our families over the holidays, Criticism, gossip, slander, and pain, they all slow down when we use our words to bring life to people as we celebrate God's provision, incarnation, and restoration. In fact, the Bible, the Bible says this in Proverbs ten nineteen. Okay, here's Solomon again. He says this, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. That's just good wisdom. That's just smart. That's wise. That could actually save a lot of people in our families from a lot of pain. You know, I, I look at the book of Proverbs, and I just every time I read something, it's kind of like, well, that's pretty clear. You know, it's hard to misinterpret them. They just kind of say it like they say it. I, I, I love the fact that Solomon, thousands of years ago, wrote wrote this stuff down, and all of these years later. It's still right, and it's still true, and it's still good. That's what actually makes it rise, or makes it wise. So if you haven't gotten the point so far, let me make it as clear as I possibly can with this last statement, okay? This is the heart behind all of this. Our celebrations should befit the very nature of our guest of honor and the one who made the celebrations possible. After all, it's his provision. His incarnation and His promise of a fresh start that we celebrate. So here's what I would love for you to do, Christ the King, and I'm speaking to myself as much as I am to anybody else. Live a life worthy of the name under which you were called and celebrate extravagantly. I mean, seriously, if Christians can't do Christmas, who can? If the thankful people of God can't celebrate thanksgiving, who can? If the people of God who've been forgiven of sin and set free because of God's mercy have been renewed in our spirits, if we can't celebrate New Year's when we've been renewed, who in the world can? I mean, of all of the people in the world, we should be so excited about this season and we should be able to celebrate to an entirely different level because we actually know the God who made all of it possible. You know, at the end of the book of Revelation, as we've been talking about the end times over the last couple of weeks, Jesus makes this incredible statement. He says, behold, I am making all things new. So what if Thanksgiving this year was new? What if Christmas was new? What if New Year's was new? What if we just looked at it and said, I'm going to celebrate this. And I'm going to make Jesus smile in my celebrations. Because it's about him his faithfulness, his birth, and his renewal that sponsors all of the celebration in the first place. Celebrate Jesus well. Thank you, Jesus, you can celebrate him with a turkey leg. I love that. Thank God that we can celebrate his generosity and graciousness by blessing our kids appropriately. Thank God we can celebrate that He's the author and giver of all life and all words, and that we can use the words He's given us to bless our family and encourage our family and to speak of Jesus in our family. I hope and pray you have the best Thanksgiving ever. I hope Christmas this year eclipses your dream and your hope Because Jesus will be in the center of it. I hope and pray you go into this new year with so much excitement and energy because Jesus is already waiting for you in 2012. So don't take this as a, you better watch out. You better not cry. It's not that at all. Celebrate God with honor and praise. And with your whole life. Let's make Jesus proud this year. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the wisdom of your word. Thank you for joy and hope and peace. And Lord, as we look at Thanksgiving on this Thursday, I pray that our hearts would be thankful and grateful all year long. Lord, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives. God, I thank you that you are a God of celebration a God of joy, a God of happiness. And Lord, as we focus on you and your birth and your renewal in the coming weeks, may we do it with a passion to celebrate you well. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I pray that this year, their holiday season, would be blessed and that they would use it to bring honor and glory to your name because it is in your name that we give praise and celebrate and all God's people said, amen and amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate God and we're going to do it through singing and we're going to do it through giving back to God our tithes and our offerings. If you're visiting with us this weekend and you're a guest, I need you to do me a very special favor, okay? If you're visiting with us, when the offering comes down your row, would you please just hand it to the next person? If you're a guest, your gift to us is the fact that you're here today, and we don't want anything from you at all. Thank you for blessing us by coming, and we hope you'll come back and see us again really, really soon. I'm going to do uh, another part of Thanksgiving next weekend, and then we're diving straight into Christmas. Um, we have some amazing things planned for Christmas this year. I can't wait to walk through this season in the celebration of the Incarnation with you. The ushers are going to start in the back. They're going to work their way towards the front. When the offering has passed you by, let's stand together and celebrate the God who has sponsored our celebrations for the next six to seven weeks. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Happy Thanksgiving.